Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, you guys awake? You guys got some coffee in you? So, yeah, he's, you need some more time. You need some more time. It's all good. Man, we're so excited, um, again, that you're here with us this morning. I can't wait to just jump into God's Word. I believe that, uh, that God is going to speak to you this morning. And so I just really encourage you to take some notes. There's a, a worship guide right there. On the very back uh, side of that worship guide, there is a, a section for notes. Uh, and so I encourage you to, to do that. Uh, we're actually in our part two of our series called Anthem of Hope. We're really taking a look at what the Bible says about hope. Uh, God just placed that in, in my heart um, as we were going into a brand new year. And, uh, you know, just because the year changes doesn't mean that our situations change. Uh, it's just really just the year that changes. But uh, so God just said, hey, I really want you to focus on the topic of hope. I believe that our people need hope. Uh, and I just want to begin this morning's sermon by just telling you uh, of, this, of this story. Uh, how many of you guys ever had car trouble? Anybody ever had car trouble? How many of you like car trouble? Nobody likes car trouble, right? I, I, I hate, I hate car trouble. Uh, I have a 1997 Jeep Grand Cherokee, man. That's a green machine. I love that thing. And about seven months ago, uh, it started giving me some, some trouble, and it wouldn't start. So uh, what, I did, what I just decided to do was to get on YouTube, right? Like, it's the first thing you do is to get on YouTube because you can learn anything on YouTube. And so I, I jumped on YouTube, and it just wouldn't turn over. It's probably like a starter, an alternator. I don't know what it was. I, I don't know. So I just started trying to fix, fix my Jeep. And uh, so I got on YouTube, and, and I just couldn't figure it out. But I, I, had, I had one of these. Some of you guys might not know what this is, young folk, okay? Older guys, you guys, what is, what is this thing? Okay, all right, this looks ancient, it looks ancient, but this young, young people, this is a car repair manual, okay, for the DIY guy, okay, so, so that's me, I, I had one of these, and I'm like, I'm not going to read through this to fix my Jeep, I'm just going to get on YouTube and, and figure it out that way, and so I did, I, I took off the battery, I took it to AutoZone, they're like, hey, that's a perfect battery, like, it's good, it's good, I'm like, okay, that's weird, so I came back, and I'm just like, uh, okay, maybe it's the alternator. So I took off the alternator. You know what? Some of you guys are probably like, pastors do that. You know, pastors can, can work on cars. This pastor can, all right? Like, this pastor can. And, and so I took off the alternator. I went to go get it tested. It wasn't the alternator. Then I'm like, okay, well, I mean, the only thing that, that it could be is a starter. So I took off the starter. I took it and get it tested, and it wasn't the starter. And at that point, I just wanted to take my Jeep into the desert and light it on fire. Like, honestly, like, I just, I just wanted to get rid of it. I, I just, I was tired of it. I just didn't want it anymore. And then I said, you know what? That repair manual might help me. It just might. I'm just going to check it out, see what it says. So I opened up the repair manual, and the first thing it said when I got to the page I needed to, it said, make sure the battery terminals are clean. And I'm like, I swear, if it's the battery terminals, I'm going to go crazy after replacing all this stuff. I go over, I get some soda, I pour it on the terminals, and they're clean. I put it back on the battery, and whoosh, the car starts. I might have said some things I would regret. Maybe. I don't know. But I was so upset. I was so upset that I just didn't go to this manual first. Now, here's the, here's the interesting part of this manual. This is, so, this is so interesting. At the very bottom, it says, 
the first step in repair. Okay, I should, if I would have read that, I would have gone here first instead of trying to fix it myself, right? Instead, I just try to fix it myself on YouTube. But you know what? I say that to say this, that sometimes, and actually many times in my own life, uh, I treat God's word like the repair manual. I treat it that way. I try to fix my own problems. I try to troubleshoot my own problems. And the last thing I do is go to God's word. I try to fix it myself. I try to do it on my own, and it just doesn't work, and it just doesn't work. I end up feeling hopeless. I end up feeling helpless. I just can't do it. And then I finally, when all is said and done, when I tried everything, then I go to God's word. And and that's the the way that I treat it sometimes. If I could just be honest with you, that, that, that just happens in my life. If I could be transparent this morning, I treat God's word like that manual. I just kind of look at it last instead of being the first thing that I should go to. It should be the very first thing. It should be the first thing that that I use to repair my life. It's the first thing that I should go to when I try to find hope, when I try to troubleshoot the things in my life, when I feel hopeless and helpless. And you know what? I, I was thinking that, you know, from what I understand and from what I just even see in our world today, there's a lot of hopelessness in our world today. There's a lot of hopelessness and there's a lot of helplessness in our world today. So I'm not the only one that sometimes feels hopeless. Anybody else feel hopeless sometimes? Yeah, if we could be honest, we all do at times, right? We have those, those moments where we feel hopeless and helpless. And so uh, I was doing some research and there was a study at Princeton University. And they said that uh, every year since 1999, the death rate has increased by half a percent. And what they found was that many of the deaths, many, the, the root cause, a lot of the causes of these deaths, of this increase, was suicide, drug, and alcohol overdose. Man, that's just the world we live in, a hopeless and helpless world. And one of the research says that, that it was a, a, a research and, and the observations that they made, and she, she worded it this way, she says, it was an observation of more despair and worse health. The other researchers said that it's an epidemic of hopelessness. And and that's our world today. But it got me thinking, well, hopelessness is on the rise. Uh, Suicide is on the rise. And and even if if you just look at the church, it's happening in the church as well. So many pastors you hear on the news are taking their lives. No one's uh, really excluded from hopelessness or despair. And, and as hopelessness is on the rise, what I, what I realize and what I come to understand is that the word of God has also been on the decrease, has been on the decrease. As hopelessness increases, our view of scripture, of our view of the authority of the word of God has decreased. There's a study that was done. If you're interested in any of this stuff, uh, go, to, go to the website, thestateoftheology.com. Uh, and it was a study that was given to tons and tons of people. And they asked all these kinds of questions. But I want to focus in on what people thought about God's word, about the scriptures, about, about the Bible. So th- this is one of the statements. It says, um, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths but it's not literally true. 47% of people agree to that, that the, that the Bible is not really true. It's just mythological. 47, almost 50%. The second statement, the Bible is 100% accurate in all that it teaches. 41% of people disagree that, that, that the Bible is not accurate, that, that there's some kind of contradictions, that there's some kind of fallacies within the word of God. 
Modern science disproves the Bible. 36% of people agree to that. The Bible has no authority to tell us what to do. 40% of people uh, disagree with that. The Bible alone is the written word of God. Only 48% of people agree to that. And so I don't know if there's a correlation. I've never done the study. I have no idea. I don't know if there's a study out there. I looked, but I can't find anything. But I wonder, as hopelessness increases, the, the, our view of Scripture has decreased. But when I look at, at God's Word, when I look at, at the Bible and how it speaks about itself, it's completely uh, different than what our, our world thinks about the Scriptures. Uh, God's Word says that it's authoritative, that it's inspired, that it's infallible, that it's necessary in our lives. I take a look at my own life and the life of other people, and I have seen how this book, this love letter from God, has the power to give us hope and the power to transform our lives. Like, there's something different about this book. It just doesn't seem like, 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 like it's fitting in the, the way that culture views uh, the scriptures and the way that, that, that God talks about it, the way that I've seen it in people's life. And so this morning, what I really want to do is I, I want to look at what God says about the connection of his word and our hope. The connection of his word and our hope. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Romans chapter 15. If you have your version uh, phone, go there. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 4 this morning. It's also going to be on the screen. <clears throat> Anybody else get kind of feeling sick a little bit? Sorry if I drink a lot of water. My, uh, I think I'm getting a little thing on my throat. But um, <clears throat> So Romans chapter 15. One through four. Let me give you some context. So this, this letter was written by Paul to the, uh, tr- the Christian churches in Rome around 57 AD. And the overarching theme of the book of Romans is that God, through the cross of Christ, is able to judge sinners and at the same time display his grace and mercy to us at the same time. Now the reason why Paul writes this letter to the Romans, there are actually a lot of reasons. But one of the main reasons why Paul wrote this letter to the Romans was to address issues between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, uh, especially when it comes to like food laws and things like that. And so that's where we find ourselves in this passage in Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. So let me go ahead and read that, and then we'll kind of pick, uh, pick it apart. It says this, Who are the strong? Well, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who have insulted you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And so Paul really begins this, this first verse by, by, by addressing the dispute in the church. He's saying, hey, those of you that are strong or mature believers, you, you need to uh, build your weaker brothers and sisters in Christ up. The weaker simply means not as mature in the faith. And so really what they were arguing about was, you know, uh, can we eat certain foods? Who, sh- you know, should, should believers or should Christians eat certain foods or should we observe certain days and keep them sacred and keep them holy? And Paul actually sided with the strong. 
He said, you know, you, don't ha- you could eat whatever you want to eat. You, you could totally you know, indulge yourself in whatever you want. You don't have to keep certain days sacred or anything like that. But he does say that you are to be um, sacrificial and selfless and considerate to the weaker believers. So if, if a, a weaker believer during this time uh, didn't want to eat unclean foods and the stronger believer wouldn't eat those foods in, in front of him to cause him to stumble. And so he just begins by addressing that problem. Then what he does in verse 3, he actually gives an example of, of what it looks like to live selfless and not just pleasing ourselves. And he uses Christ he says, for even Christ did not please himself, but as, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. You see, Paul gives this example of Christ. But one thing that I find very, very interesting about this example is that Paul could have used any story of Jesus' life. He knew the stories. He knew Jesus' life. He could have used any story he wanted to, but he didn't. You know what he did? He used Scripture. He used the Old Testament. He used a quotation from the Psalms. And that's, that's what we have here uh, is a, a quotation from the Psalms, Psalms chapter 69. It says, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. That, that's an Old Testament passage. So he uses an Old Testament passage, Scripture, to prove his point. And so in the original context, uh, this, this, this passage was of a man who, who basically found people insulting God, and, and those same insults were, were basically burdened upon him, and he became the victim of those insults. In the same way, Jesus, when people would insult God, basically he took on those insults, and Jesus suffered for those insults. So then I asked myself this question. Why did Paul use an Old Testament passage to prove his point? Like, why did he use an Old Testament passage? I think what Paul wanted to do was not necessarily prove a point about Jesus, but about Scripture, about, about the written word of God. Just take a look at verse 4. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I really want to point out three things that we can learn from this verse, three things that I believe Paul wants us to know about the scriptures. Uh, Number one, uh, we're to learn from the past. We're to learn from the past. We are to learn from the past scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, We are to learn from the biblical characters, learn from Jesus' life, learn uh, learn from Paul's letters, learn what God expects and wants for our lives and from our lives. Paul says that it's to teach us, to instruct us, to educate us. And Paul just doesn't have any type of instruction or education. He, he means specifically the teachings that come from the will of God, God's revelation, God's teaching, the teachings of the Christian faith. But see, in order for us to learn something, we need a posture of humility, Right? We, we need to understand that we don't know everything. And only when you can accept that you don't know everything, that is when we can learn something from God. You see, when I was uh, in junior high, uh, my mom would always just, you know, ask me things. She'd ask me questions. And one of my, my favorite, favorite, favorite lines, or, or even she'd, she'd give me advice. And one of my favorite lines was, I already know. I already know. Johnny, you, you got to be careful with, you know, who you're hanging out with. You know, I, I don't know if I trust those. I already know, Mom. 
I already know, right? Like, John, you got to make sure that, you know, you got to uh, be at that time, at, you know, be at school at this time or be at practice at that time. I already, I already know, Mom. I already know. I was a junior higher, and I knew everything, right? Okay, any parents relate to that? You have some, some teenagers, and they know everything, right? But that was my favorite line. I already know, Mom. I got it. I already know it all. I don't need to learn anything. I'm a junior high. I've been through life. I know what I'm talking about, Ma. All right? The, the interesting part is that in high school, my favorite line was, I don't know. <laughs> hey, how was school? I don't know. Hey, what time you got to be at practice? I don't know. It's so weird. But anyway, that's for another sermon. I already know. Mom, I got it. Don't worry about it. You see, but in the same way, when we don't go to God's repair manual First, the scriptures, the inspired, authoritative, infallible scriptures. That's what we're essentially telling God. I already know. I got it. I can figure this out on my own. I don't need your guidance. I don't, I don't need your direction. I got it. I already know. I already know. So here's my question to you. <clears throat> what can you and I learn from the, from the scriptures? What can we learn? A lot of people tell, I hear this all the time. The scriptures are irrelevant. They're, they're irrelevant. They're irrelevant to everyday life. They're irre- irrelevant to modern day life. What can the scriptures really teach us? Well, they can teach us how to love. John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. The scriptures teach us about forgiveness, to, to learn about forgiveness when we've been hurt. Ephesians chapter 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. They teach us how to be uh, honorable and responsible with our finances. Proverbs chapter 3, honor the Lord with your wealth. What you spend your money on reveals what you value the most. They teach us about marriage. First Opinions chapter 3 says, happy wife, happy life. That's not... a. First Opinions is not a book in the Bible. I just want to make it sure. Some of you are like, I've never, what kind of Bible is that dude using? I ain't coming back to that church. Man, you guys are quiet. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It It teaches us about parenting. Proverbs chapter 22. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Teenagers, any teenagers in here? Exodus chapter 20, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and the Lord your God is given you. It teaches about work and work ethic. Proverbs chapter 16, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And people say the scriptures are irrelevant today. The Bible is still relevant today. In fact, the Bible is more relevant than tomorrow's newspaper. It's relevant. And it's relevant because it addresses our deepest needs. It's relevant. And we're to learn from it. Point number two. We got to be, so we have, we learn from the past and we receive encouragement for the present. That's what Paul says. We receive encouragement for uh, the present. The, the, The verse says that, The scriptures teach endurance, steadfastness, perseverance, how not to give up. That's what the scriptures teach. But they also provide encouragement. That word means to comfort, to console. It means to lift one another's spirit. 
You see, the, the, the scriptures provide encouragement to our lives when we're going through something tough, something difficult, a painful situation. There's a story I came across uh, of, a, of a young, young missionary in the 1800s. His name was Henry Martin, and he was a missionary to India and Arabia and Persia, and he left England, and when he left England, he uh, left his fiance behind, and on the way there, on the boat to his missionary destination, uh, he began to fight discouragement and self-pity with God's word. He would constantly recite the word of God to himself. When he wanted to turn around and go back, when he wanted to give up, when he missed his fiance and just wanted to go back and see her, he would quote scriptures to himself. It was tough for him on his way there. But then when he arrived at Calcutta, he experienced some extreme disappointment. There was another missionary there who has already been there for years. And this other missionary, uh, he begins, it was a veteran missionary, and he began to preach against Henry Martin. He began to, to speak bad about him, that his preaching was inconsistent, absurd, extravagant, that Henry was a self-seeking, prideful missionary. And that just devastated him. But he continued and pursued on in Calcutta. In six years away from his fiance, he translated the Bible, the New Testament actually, into three different languages. He endured so much hardship, and he actually died at 31 years old. And we have, we have a, a little glimpse of his journal. I want to read it to you. It says this. It says, In the multitude of my troubled thoughts, I still saw that there is a strong consolation in the hope set before us. Let men do their worst. Let me be torn to pieces and my dear Lydia torn from me. Or let me labor for 50 years of misscorned and never see one single convert. Still, it shall not be worse for my soul in eternity, nor worse for it in time. Though the heathen rage and the English people imagine a vain thing, check this out, he says, the Lord Jesus, who controls all events, is my friend, my master, my God, and my all. The way he battled hopelessness and helplessness and discouragement was through the word of God. That's what kept him going. That's what encouraged him, comforted, consoled him. The question for you this morning is, what do you need to hear from the scriptures today? What do you need to hear today? Do you worry a lot? If you, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you struggle with fear? Isaiah chapter 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you struggle with anxiety? 1 Peter chapter 5. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. Do you struggle with discouragement? Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you feel tired physically, spiritually, emotionally, just worn out? Matthew chapter 11, come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You feel broken. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You struggle with insecurity. Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, God didn't make a mistake when he created you. God doesn't make mistakes. Do you feel unlovable? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son, and whoever believes will inherit eternal life. What do you need to hear today from the scriptures? I heard a great quote from a theologian. He says, he says to separate oneself from the scriptures is to turn a deaf ear to the voice of a heavenly father anxious to console us. That's what we do. And so I just want to encourage you to go to the scriptures, to go to God's word, to go to his repair manual. And number three, we learn from the past. We have encouragement for the present and we have hope for the future through the scriptures. We have hope for the future through the scriptures. One thing that uh, is really interesting about this passage is that in the original language, there's actually an article in front of the word hope. Uh, it's actually the hope. And so what Paul is trying to get at here is not just any hope. Remember we talked about that last week, like the, the, the way that we use hope, like I hope the 49ers win or I, I hope the Chiefs win or, you know, I, I hope, uh, you know, that, that uh, the Dallas Cowboys go to the Super Bowl uh, next year. Any Dallas Cowboy fans? All right, cool. Uh, you know, uncertainty, right? <laughs> like uncertainty. That, that, that's, that's, the, that's not the hope that Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about the Christian hope, confident expectation in God based on his faithfulness in the past. If God was faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the present. And he's going to be faithful in the future. He will not let you down. Dr. R.C. Sproul, one of my favorite theologians, says this, hope is, t- is not taking a deep breath and hoping things are, are going to turn out all right. It's assurance that God is going to do what he says he will. It's believing in the promises of God. That's the Christian hope. And so I don't know what you're going through today, but I just got to tell you that there is hope for your situation, that there's hope for your life. There is hope for your marriage. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for your health. There's hope for your depression. There's hope for your insecurities. There's hope for your fear. There's hope for your loneliness. There's hope for your kids. There's hope for your family. There is hope for your life. It is available to you in God through the scriptures. So I encourage you, don't allow your circumstances to speak louder than God's word. I'm going to say that again. Don't allow your circumstances to speak louder than God's word. Don't do it. Jesus, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's the promises of God. And so if I could summarize just this passage into to just one simple big idea, it's this. It's actually going to be some math. You want to do some math? It's 
Learning plus encouragement equals hope. Learning plus encouragement equals hope. You didn't think you were going to do math at church today, but I gotcha. We, we learn from the scriptures. We, we, we receive the, hope, the encouragement that the scriptures provide, which gives us hope for the future. And so what I want to do is I just want to give you some basic next steps, next steps, practical things that you can do right now. Number one, I encourage you to get a Bible. If you, if you have a phone, you could download a Bible on your phone through the YouVersion app. So, so get a Bible. If, if you're like me and you're kind of old school and you want a physical Bible, uh, we have free Bibles at the Info Center. Stop by, pick one up, put your name on it. It's yours. It's our gift to you. That's the first thing. The second thing I want us to do, and I encourage you to do, is to do a 12-day devotional. To do a 12-day devotional. Uh, and to do it as a church. So if you take you version and you look at the Bible reading plans and you type in, you type in hope in the dark, it's a 12-day uh, Bible reading plan on the topic of hope that starts today. Let's start it today. Let's start it together. To, to just begin going to the scriptures to receive hope and encouragement. And number three, I encourage you to, to find a partner Find someone that you can read scripture with. Find someone that, that you could keep uh, each other accountable. Hey, what did you think about this verse? What, what did you think? How did, it, how did God speak to you uh, through, through this devotion or this day? Find, find a partner. You know, do you know why it's so important for you and I to be in the word? I believe it's so important for you and I to be in the word because, honestly, our world desperately needs the word. Like, our world desperately needs the word of God. It does. Our world needs people like you and I to know the scriptures. Our world needs people like you and I who will use the scriptures to offer hope and encouragement, to comfort the hurting, to restore the broken, and to save the lost. That's what our world needs from you and I. I mean, could you just imagine if Restoration Church was a church rooted and grounded in the scriptures, rooted and, and grounded in God's word. How much hope can we offer our community? How much hope can we offer the world? Man, I believe that we would see uh, people uh, just being restored to God because of Restoration Church. Because there's a lot of people at Restoration Church who love the scriptures, who are inspired by the scriptures, and who live out the scriptures to encourage other people. And so our kids won't be the same. Our schools would look different. Our marriages would look different. When you go to the stores, our community in general would look different. What if? What if? Could you imagine what that would look like? You see, our world needs people like you and I to proclaim the message of hope. The message of hope. And what is this message of hope? The message of hope is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. That's, that's the message of hope. And our world needs to hear that. that. That we were lost, that we were broken, that scripture says that we were spiritually dead. But God, the Father, sent his son, born of a virgin, 
Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, died the death we deserved, died, rose again, and is coming back, and he is our resurrection hope. And the scripture says that anybody who repents of their sin and believes in Jesus, believes in his work on the cross, that they would receive this eternal life, this eternal hope, hope here on earth, hope for the trials and storms of today, and hope in the future. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That whoever comes to Jesus, he will never drive away, ever. And and so I want to pray. I want to pray for you if if you're just like, man, I don't have hope, I don't have Jesus, and I want him. I want him. I want to pray. I want to pray over your life right now. God, I pray for any person here this morning who feels hopeless. Scripture says that that you, Jesus, are our hope. You're the only hope that we have. There is no hope outside of you, Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the only way. And God, I pray for anyone here this morning who just says, man, I don't have hope. I want hope. And I pray that they would realize that they have sinned against you, that they're not perfect, that they've blown it, but yet you loved them so much that you sent your son to die for them, to give them hope, to give them life, to give them freedom, to restore their soul. I pray that they would give you their life here today, this morning. God, the enemy's going to try to come in and discourage and distract and destroy. But I pray that you would give them the strength to stand firm, to pursue you and to persevere in godliness, to have a hunger and thirst for you, and that the hope that they receive today, that they would share that same hope with others. God, I pray for anyone here, too, that has been following you for a long time. They're believers. They're saved. And they've fallen away and they forgot that the repair manual is available and it's always available. Will you remind them, God, that you're with them, that you've, you've saved them already, that they have that hope living in them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remind them of what you've already done for them, God. God, we lift your name. We thank you for every single person. God, may you... Just work in their life, God. May you inspire and encourage and comfort and console every single person here this morning. God, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. And if you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this podcast with your friends and your family so they can be encouraged and inspired as they seek Jesus. Again, thank you so much for listening.